Welcome back to another episode of Bed Letter. I am your host, Christian Ashleman, and this is the podcast where we chat a bit about our psychohuman brains, a little about our loony human behavior, and a lot about how it all fits together. So today we are on episode 37, so thank you so much for those who have been out there following along with the podcast and listening to Bed Letter. I really appreciate all of you for taking the time um, to listen. It really does mean a lot to me. Um, if you know someone who you think would enjoy Bed Letter, please feel free to share the podcast. And if you're interested in signing up for the monthly newsletter or in joining the Bed Letter community Discord server, head to cashleman.com. That's C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N.com. And over there on my site, I've got a blog that I write on and uh, info on editing, tutoring, and mentoring services that I offer as well and some other things. And so if you want to help support the show, I do have a Patreon page. Um, and if something in the show sparks a question or comment and you want to share, uh, you can head to my blog, our community Discord server, or to my Instagram page, at Ashleman. All of those are fantastic places to share your thoughts, to comment on what you think about something that's talked about, and, and so on. So feel free to do that. Um, and today we're kind of going to be going over... Uh, today we're going to do our April monthly news breakdown, right? And there's there's been a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting things happening this month um, in regards to psychology. I mean, to be honest, there's there's usually something going on nowadays in regards to psychology. Some s- studies running somewhere at some university somewhere, right? But this month, um, as I was pouring through trying to pick just a couple things that would be interesting to highlight quickly on the... Uh, you know, on the news rundown, I, I, it was kind of hard. There was a lot of different things and there was a lot of things that were coming more towards the end of this month too. So if you have a chance, definitely sign up for that newsletter. If you want to check out all of the different articles, all the different information and get good links to all this different stuff that we've been talking about, be sure to just put your, you know, put your email on that newsletter. Um, it's totally free and uh, you'll get that once a month. And there's some other things that come along with that too. So anyway, let's move into the first topic, the first article. The title of the first article is Perfectionistic Cognitions Appear to Play a Key Role in Clinical Anxiety. This article was written by Beth Elwood, and it was posted on the SciPost website on April 30th, 2021 in the anxiety section. So just right off the bat, um, when I read the art, when I read the title, I was just like, oh my gosh, of course, right? Like, becoming being a perfectionist being someone who is all about you know perfecting things or creating the best version of whatever they're creating you know someone who is in that that headspace they are going to i mean we i mean i'm sure you've seen it i I know i've seen it um they're going to be more susceptible to you know cognitive dissonance when things are not perfect right i mean you see this with people, for example, when they get, you know, like personally, when I was going to school growing up, I would get B's and C's um, every now, you know, C every now and then, and, and earlier in high school, sometimes even the occasional D, right? And 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 there's other there's classes that I didn't do so well in, and classes that I did great in, but there's definitely I've definitely seen people where it's like they get straight A's, and if they even get like a low A, like a 90, 94, 93, or even like a like a high B, then they are wrecked. They're anxious. They're um, sad about it. They're you know whatever. And so they're they're definitely in their feelings about it. Even though in reality, uh, those scores are actually phenomenal. Those scores are actually um, really good. You know, obviously you're shooting for a hundred percent, but becoming perfect is 
it's an impossible, it's a you're never going to hit it, right? It's, it's a never-ending journey. So anyway, interesting article. So I just want to read the first few paragraphs and kind of get a feel for uh, what they're talking about and just kind of discuss a few things in here. So it starts off, a new study found that perfectionist thinking patterns contributed to post-traumatic stress disorder and generalized anxiety disorder symptoms over and above several known control variables. The findings were published in Cognitive Behavior Therapy. Perfectionism involves a desire to perform to the highest standards without allowing room for failure. People with perfectionist beliefs tend to overly be self tend to be overly self-critical and put pressure on themselves to perform flawlessly at all times. While perfectionism is often seen as a favorable trait, the attribute has been linked to numerous anxiety disorders such as obsessive compulsive disorder and social anxiety disorder. And this is pretty interesting. I think, um, like I said, a lot of this stuff, uh, or at least the you know the, the the crux of the whole thing, the matter of perfectionism being tied to um, OCD or being tied to uh, anxiety, is not something that's you know out of this world or crazy. But it's the fact that understanding and knowing that that's what's happening, understanding and knowing that that's the reality. Sometimes, sometimes you know something, but you don't really know it. All right, you like it's it's almost like a it's kind of like common sense. You know, it seems like something that uh, would be easily understandable. Two plus two equals four. You know, it's just a common sense type of thing um, that this would lead to that. But I think that in our actual acting out of uh, behaviors in life and just going through life, it's really easy for those common sense beliefs and those common sense ideations to to sort of get lost in the sauce sort of you know kind of just you forget about them and then before you know it your perfectionistic tendencies are kind of overtaking the ability to realize and understand and know like hey wait a minute you know i know i like to be a perfectionist i know i like things to be correct and right and this and that but in that desire has that overtaken my ability to to, to, to reconcile the fact that I am not perfect and to reconcile the fact that I'm not necessarily ever going to be perfect, but that the goal of perfection or the goal of growing is something to be desired and to be chased after, right? It's a good thing. And so it's kind of like just in a balance situation. It's sort of just a balancing out those two things. Um, but I really think it's interesting in regards to OCD as well, because uh, I don't, I, I personally am not like diagnosed with OCD or anything like that, but I definitely think that I have some tendencies, right? Um, I wouldn't label myself as it. Um, I think that there's just some behaviors and ide- and, and, and habits that I have that uh, could sort of align with that. You know, I'm very, I like things very exact. I like things very um, pretty organized and clean and compiled and uh, done a certain way. There's certain things like, like, keeping, you know, checking to make sure the stove is turned off and, you know, just little things like that that I do very frequently that could be, you know, thrown in the OCD bin. That being said, um, there is kind of like this idea of, of, of perfectionism versus uh, tied with OCD and then the resulting anxiety, right? I know when I'm writing something or when I'm creating something, a lot of times with that with that perfectionism and that OCD, I want to make it right the first time. And like we've talked about so many times on this podcast, editing and and making sure you're, you're or, or not always trying to do everything right the first time, allowing yourself to just be real and give and, and create something without editing it constantly is important, right? We've talked about that many times on this podcast. And so this this all just ties in really well. It's kind of just a um, 
a balance thing, right? And so anyway, really interesting article. I think that um, it's really good to be aware of things like this. There's there's definitely a whole big chunk of the article still left. Um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not reading, this is just a rundown. I'm not reading through the whole article today. Um, if you are interested in reading the whole article, um, you can head over to the SciPost website, or like I said, if you want a nice organized way to see all the articles we talk about, check out that newsletter on my website. So the second article I wanted to talk about is titled, Male and Female Friendships Are Maintained by Different Psychological Dynamics, Study Finds. And um, this article is pretty interesting. Again, is is on SciPost, and it actually is the same author as before. Um, she's a pretty uh, common writer on this website. And a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, a lot of this research is, like I've said, the 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 journals that it's posted in, the the in depth research is locked behind whether you know purchasing the journal, right? So that's one thing I am grateful for websites like SciPost or even the psycholo- the psychology subreddit, um, places like that where they have. Uh, we, you know, where we all, where we share psychological information and, and, and articles and stuff like that. And so we don't always have to pay the, the $35 price tag just to read one article. Granted, that is good to do sometimes because you can get a fuller picture, right? To see if there are parts of the research that were really good or really bad or, or, you know, and what have you. And so, um, you know, there's, there's pluses and minuses with that. But, uh, the title of this article, like I said, male and female friendships are maintained by different psychological dynamics, study finds. It's posted on April 27th. And it starts off, while both men and women cultivate close relationships, the dynamics of these relationships appear to be quite different. A study published in Adaptive Human Behavior Physiology sheds light on the differences between men's and women's romantic relationships and best friendships. Forming close bonds with others is an integral part of being human. From an evolutionary standpoint, people need secure and supportive relationships to survive and to reproduce. Be it a romantic relationship or a close friendship, there are certain attributes that characterize intimate relationships. And then there's a quote, and it goes on. Over a number of years studying friendships, we have become increasingly aware of very consistent sex differences in both social skills and sociality explained author, uh, study author Robin M. Dunbar, a professor of evolutionary psychology at the University of Oxford. These human patterns paralleled six differences that are widely present in old world monkeys and apes, the group to which humans belong. People do not often study sex differences in social style. Bizarrely, some disciplines even forbid the study of sex differences in anything, and it seemed to us there might be something important that we are missing. And this article is so uh, is so interesting. I think it touches on something very fascinating and very important in today's world, right? Um, I'm not going to continue to read the whole rest of the article. Like I said, feel free to um, do that yourself uh, if you are so inclined. But this uh, this piece right here at the end where it says, bizarrely, some disciplines even forbid the study of sex differences in anything. And, uh, and it seems that there might have been something important that they were missing, right? And so I like that, I like that they say this. And it's kind of funny because they say this. And obviously it has a lot to do with the author. And, and, and that's, you know, when they, it, that little part where it says bizarrely is in parentheses in the article, right? Um, so there is a bit of an author uh, opinion being slipped in right there. But I think that nowadays too often, too, too, too often are we seeing the politicalization of, of uh, sex. And when I say sex, I mean 
like whether someone is male or female, right? I'm not talking about the act. Um, and there's this big tendency when you look at things like uh, equal wages and um, women's equality and, and just all of that that's been happening and has been happening for a while. Um, it's really interesting to see that there's somebody – it's really easy for people to fall into this idea where it's like finding differences between um, between men and women is like wrong, right? Like they, they – they, I've seen it so many times where they've had um, – well, for example, one that, one that comes to mind really specifically is a discussion that was had with uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson and um, – I think this was over in like Sweden or somewhere. I don't know. He was on a, he was doing a radio talk, a talk show. Right. And he was talking to some, some, um, some fellow, you know, people in the, in the field of, of psychology in the field of, I don't know that they were, uh, I don't know all of their credentials. This, I saw this video quite a while ago, but they had, um, people there that were of, you know, of, of some sort of import. Right. And, and and strong educational backgrounds and so they were talking and discussing these things and and Jordan Peterson was talking about he's putting forward the idea that um, it's not even an idea it's it's literally a backed study of how uh, in, in Sweden um, that might have actually been where I think the study was actually done in Sweden but the talk show was happening in Europe somewhere I can't remember exactly it doesn't really even matter anyway but the point is uh, in Sweden they did this research. And, and what they found was that as they eliminated the barriers of, you know, these barriers that were, they were holding back equality and things like that, as they made the, the, as they really evened all the playing field out there, the, the sex differences between men and women became greater, not less. They became greater. More women were saying, I, I do want to, I actually do want to stay home and, and, take care of my child or I, they were, there was more women proportionately than men going into nursing and, and, you know, family care type, um, you know, healthcare type situations and more men going into tech. And, and this isn't to say that, that, that it was, that, that that's right or wrong, you know, and this is to say that that's where men and women belong or whatever. It's, it's just to say that as you eliminate barriers and, and have an open and even and, and uh, fruitful playing field, the differences in men and women, they themselves will begin to to sort of to to play that out, right? They will do that themselves. It's not always just going to be like this perfect fifty percent ratio between like tech people, it you know, tech crowds, engineers, stuff like that, and you know, um, and men and women in those fields. It's not going to just always be this perfect fifty uh, fifty ratio between stay at home moms and stay at home dads, right? And so. It's really easy nowadays for a lot of people to look at things like that and really have str- like really struggle to understand that there are sex differences between men and women in the things that they like to do. Um, as it said in that talk that I watched with with Jordan Peterson and and those other um, intellectuals, he does say that you know men typically enjoy uh, on the on the whole scale. This is taking into account seven you know half of seven. 0.5 billion, 8, 8 billion people, right? Um, on, on the whole scale, you have um, men typically enjoying things and women typically enjoy people, right? They're, they're more attracted to people and men are typically more uh, intrigued and attracted to things, physical things. And this is uh, obviously not, like I said, this is take, this is massive blanket statement, massive averages, right? We're talking average 
not everybody is that way. Personally, if I had to say one or the one or the other, I'm I'm more of a people person than a things person, right? I I wouldn't want to sit behind the engineering desk and not deal with people all day. I want to deal with people, but that's this is just on average, right? And so I think that it's kind of funny that they say that bizarrely some don't even some disciplines don't even don't look at sex differences or anything. Um, I, I do think it is bizarre to forbid the study of sex differences. I think it's wrong. I think it's, I think it doesn't make any sense because, you know, at, at the end of the article, it even, at the end of this article specifically, there's one sentence I will read. It says, our job as scientists is to understand and explain the world. We cannot do that if we assume that we know the answer before we even start. And that was a quote from Dunbar, one of the uh, researchers. And so it's, it's really interesting because you have, this this perfect quote about what science is right it's 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 to discover and explain the world around us not to not to take what we have in our head the image that we have in our head that men and women should be perfectly equal and all of this and they should be uh and not that that's a wrong image to have obviously they should be equal but you know that they that they're biologically the same biologically equal that they have the same brain chemistry everything same thought patterns all that stuff that's that's bull you know that's that's a, that's not real that's not reality and when, so when you take that idea and you apply it to um science it doesn't work that's a huge amount of cognitive dissonance and that's where you're going to find uh things like what this was saying bizarrely some disciplines even forbid the study of sex differences in anything and that's wrong that's wrong 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 right and so um anyway super interesting article and i think it's it's always good to be aware of these things when you're when you're kind of delving into the psychological aspect of stuff so so the next article i wanted to touch on really quick um is titled new longitudinal study uncovers a stark partisan divide in willingness to get a covid19 vaccine republicans became west less willing to get a vaccine as the coronavirus pandemic grew worse this was written by eric w dolan posted on april 24th 2021 so, kind of an interesting article. I, to be honest, I don't know that, um, you know, in, in the whole scheme of things, it's that valuable of an article. I did read a very well. I read the whole thing, and it's it's, uh, it, I don't know, it's interesting, and it just has, makes a couple points that I think uh, are worth pointing out here. So it starts off, Republicans in the United States became less accepting of a potential COVID nineteen vaccine as the pandemic unfolded, according to new research published in Plus One. The findings add to a growing body of research that indicates partisan attitudes are contributing to vaccine hesitancy. In the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, we already understood that a large-scale vaccination efforts would be critical to stemming the spread and bringing about a return to pre-pandemic life, said study author Ariel Friedman, a PhD candidate at UC San Diego. And given the worrying news about vaccine skepticism that preceded COVID-19, we decided to measure how it would evolve over the course of the pandemic, stating, starting at a relatively early stage of the pandemic in the U.S., March 2020. When we started, we actually predicted that vaccine hesitancy would decrease, since other research has documented that when the risk of a threat is heightened, people become more favorable toward interventions than that mitigate the threat. However, this is the opposite of what we found during our study period, Friedman explained. The researchers recruited 1,018 U.S. participants using Amazon's Mechanical Turk platform and asked them to complete surveys in March, April, May, June, and July of August and August of 2020. The surveys assessed their intention to get the COVID-19 vaccine when it becomes available, intention to get an influenza vaccine, 
political affiliation, perceptions of COVID-19 threat, and the and trust in various institutions, among other factors. Okay, so um, it, it, it's fairly interesting research. I think that it's I think that they've added you know they have a decent amount of people. One thousand and eighteen U.S. participants is pretty good. Um, granted, those are U.S. participants. They are not they are not participants of the world. You know, around the entire world, and COVID nineteen is a world pandemic, right? And so I do believe that they should widen their pool. I don't think it should just be U.S. participants. I think that they're trying to take something that is a giant, huge issue, a world issue, a co- you know the COVID nineteen pandemic, and they're trying to politicize it through this. I think, um, which at the end of the day, I think that you know there's 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 definitely I'm not saying there's nothing you can gain from this research, but what I am saying is that it's research like this typically tends to be s- super targeted. Right, very targeted at a specific group of people, and I feel like it really easily can fall into that media category instead of research and science category, where the media, the news media, is is really one of the biggest proponents of this belief. Right, if you just took your your average person and you stripped away the Republican Democrat label box that they're throwing themselves into, and you just said, here is a problem, here is a uh, vaccine or whatever that is that has been said to potentially solve, help solve the problem. Um, here is some of the research behind that. Here are some of the findings from people that have already gotten the you know the vaccine, and then allowed that person to make the decision for themselves as to whether or not they're going to get the vaccine. I have no idea what the number would be, but and I, and I know it wouldn't be a hundred percent. Um, rightfully so. I think everybody's will, allowed to make their own choice. I don't think anybody should be shamed for for not getting it. But I'm saying that the fact that they have not done that at all and just actually completely and completely tied in the the party affiliation, right? The party affiliation is really what matters here. It's not about it's not about whether or not you're getting the vaccine. It's whether it's about who's not wanting to get the vaccine. It's about the fact that Republicans are not wanting to get the vaccine, right? That they are more skeptical. And so it just seems like it's really targeted, right? And regardless of your leanings, your political leanings, left, right, center, who knows? Regardless of those, I feel like I feel like good research has a responsibility to not necessarily target groups, but to illuminate people, right? And 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 not. I get really tired of seeing Republican versus Democrat groups of research. Republican because it's so many people. There is no possible way you could ever run a a adequate research on just like the entire. Like books, half the time, like what even the the beliefs of Republicans, the beliefs of Democrats have been warped and changed so much through through their different leaders over the past decade or more. Anyway, that half the time it's hard to tell what even is Republican, what even is Democrat. A lot of people who would say that they are Republican actually come out, you know, taking the te- taking a political test. They could come out left of center or center, and end up being more libertarian or not. You know what I mean? It's there's just when you throw all these labels all over everything, it's just, it just, I think it muddles up the research. I think it muddles it all up. Um, and I think it makes it just not as viable. And, uh, now granted, like I said, I don't think that this is completely worthless research. There are some, some, you know, golden nuggets that you could find in there. Maybe not gold, but, <laughs> you know, some nuggets of information that are valuable, but, uh, 
given that they did it with, you know, they have completely politicized it, given that they have, uh, they did the research way early into COVID, um, March, April, May, June of 2020. That is right out of the gate. That's right in the beginning. Um, perceptions now are a little different, I feel like, than those times. And so just pinning that all on there is uh, it's a little disingenuous, in my opinion. But the last article I wanted to talk about, and I'm really not going to go too far into this one because it aligns really well in with what we just talked about in that, that last article, um, kind of tying in psychology and, and, and political politici- politicalization of things. Uh, the, the title of this article is Right-Wing Authoritarians Are Less Skilled at Coming Up With Funny Jokes, Study Suggests. And uh, it was posted on April 22nd, 2021. Now, this research, I am not going to read it all. And I think, if anything, I think this research is sort of a cautionary tale again. Because, um, and, and, and this is part of just like, I don't know, SciPost tep- does typically tend to post a lot of things that are like, or not a lot, but every now and then they will, uh, they will post a... They, they more often than not have research that's that's targeted at what what right wing authoritarians or right wing this or or what Republicans think right they they or what what they're doing wrong they've almost I, I very rarely have I seen articles that are that are um, looking at Democrats and stuff like that and and I'm not even saying I want more Democrat ones I'm saying I don't want any of them because they're clearly targeted right they're targeted it's targeted research. And this one specifically, because I think this one is pretty, pretty, I don't know, pretty worthless at the end of the day. Um, but it starts out uh, across three humor production tasks, including one that involved coming up with funny cartoon captions. People who scored high in right wing authoritarianism created responses that were rated as much less funny compared to other count- compared to their counterparts. Their research was published in Personality and Individual Differences. Much less funny. When I read that, I did not see that much less funny part. I just read that it was less funny. That's funny because um, down below later in the article, I remember it specifically saying it was just a little bit less funny or something like that. So much less funny seems like a, a bit of a change. But I don't know. I could just be looking for things that are wrong, right? Um Anyway, so it moves into the next – the next paragraph says, Right-wing authoritarianism, or RWA as it now has a label, is a psychological construct defined by a willingness to comply with authorities and to follow traditional social rules, accompanied by aggression towards those who do not, right? And that's where I want to stop. I do not want to read very much of this article. There is one little bit else that I probably will read in a minute, but this – that's about where I want to stop right there because – I think it puts forward a very f- hilarious, uh, pretty, pretty ironic argument here that right-wing authoritarianism is a a construct that is defined by a willingness to comply with authorita- authorities, traditional social rules, and it's accompanied by aggression towards those who are not doing that. Right? My what I would put forward is that this is not right-wing authoritarianism. This is just authoritarianism. And the fact that they put right wing on it is hilarious, is hilarious because it's targeted. Again, I see left people do this exact thing just as much as right wing people. I will say it again. This exact thing I have seen right wing people do this exact thing 
just as much as left-wing people. It is, it is not a matter of location on the x-axis of where you are, right-wing or left-wing, right? It, that is totally, I mean, honestly, if you, you go too far one direction, you end up back in the center on the other side of the, of the globe anyway, right? Like, it's almost like they are the same thing. Because this exact piece, willingness to comply with authorities, follow social rules, and accompany by aggression towards those who do not. What have we seen with so many things over the last year, right? From both, from both the right and the left, okay? We've seen this exact thing. We've seen people go to restaurants and yell at people for not raising their hand and saying, you know, BLM or whatever. We've seen all kinds of things that are aggressive, that are that are authoritarian, that are gross, that are not right. It's not, I mean, this uh, this belief isn't, isn't a, isn't necessarily a healthy place to exist, right? And the fact that they, the fact that they say that, and then we can go immediately tie that back into this other study where it says that, you know, oh, leftist people are super into getting the, the, the vaccine and they're all for it. And they're, and, and the right wing Republicans are just not for it at all. And they are, you know, it's stark partisan divide and all of this. What's funny is like, this is just a very minute exact example, but like <laughs> in one article you have, you have the 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 left being like we need to obey the government we need to get the vaccine you know regardless of whether or not we've looked into it fully regardless of how it makes people feel how it makes you feel regardless of any of that um you know whether you do or do not get it regardless of that like they are if if, if you want to follow the research if we want to play their game they are the ones the the left in this situation would be the ones who are the RWA, right? The, the the authoritarian people who would be saying uh, willingness to comply with authorities to get the vaccine, follow traditional social rules of being vaccinated, and accompany by digression who are not, i.e. gaslighting people for not getting it, f- making them feel bad for not having it. Um, I actually went to a chiropractor not too long ago, and I do love my chiropractor. He's great. But um, I had a situation where I was... Uh, I showed up, I had my mask on and everything, and I go in to to get adjusted um, by my chiropractor, and uh, he's like, have you gotten the vaccine yet? And I was like, uh, I have not yet. Um, I, I haven't scheduled it yet. I need to probably at some point, but I haven't done it yet. And he's like, oh, you know, you, you really need to do that. You really ought to do that because, you know, just all of those of us who get it, just just like the peace we feel, all of the, you know, the happiness we feel, yeah, he said, you know, I don't have to wear my mask and then you don't have to either. And, you know, I think that it was all in good fun and he is just saying that. And he's probably, he's an older gentleman. He's probably a little bit more worried about the, the pandemic and things than I am. But, um, it was just a really weird situation. It was actually quite uncomfortable for me because I felt like, uh, because of how I was, I was not, I don't know. Like I was just looked at differently and it it was kind of a cool, it was kind of a cool thing in the sense that I could like level more with people who, um, I don't know, have something about them that makes them, uh, that makes them self-conscious like that. And so it was an interesting situation, but I didn't like it. I didn't like that there was this, and I wouldn't classify it as aggressive, but I would classify it as uncomfortable, as somewhat, somewhat gaslighty, as somewhat like, I don't know. It was just like weird. And, um, yeah. So anyway, I just, I just think it's interesting. I think it's really, really interesting and, and, and important to look at the, 
the basis of, of things to, to, to link things together and see that, hold up, it's not just right-wing authoritarianism and there's no such thing as left-wing. It, it, it doesn't exist like that. There is just, there is just extreme, right? There's just extremity. There is just aggression and there is just authoritarianism on the end, on both ends. And it looks pretty similar, right? Either way. All, all that, all that matters is the context. All, all that de- just depends on what we're talking about, right? And so, um, again, I think we're all a lot similar than we are in difference. And I don't want any of the things I've said in this podcast to be construed as opinions on vaccinations, opinions on COVID nineteen. Um, I have my own opinions, and I have shared those. I have shared this briefly, but I, I don't. You know, personally, I don't think any less or more of anybody who gets, who does, you know, things like the vaccine or thinks less or more of the pandemic or anything like that. I, I that's not that's not the goal of, of this podcast to to tell you what I think about COVID nineteen. The goal is to share with you these very funny and strange little links that I that I have found in the realm of psychology linked with with COVID and vaccinations and stuff. So, um. That's 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 my piece. That's where I'm probably going to end it. I know this podcast has definitely gone a bit longer, but that's all right. Um, I think it's I think it's fun doing these little news roundups. Get a, get a kind of a fuller picture of of what's been going on this month, even though there's been a ton of other things. Um, so I think that is where I'm going to wrap it up. I have some big things on the horizon, guys. There's some big things coming down the pipeline for the for the podcast. So be sure to. Uh, be just keeping up to date. Follow me on Instagram if you can, and 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 just you know be checking it out. Um, I think that is where I'm going to wrap up. Like I said, and if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, be sure to follow Bed Letter on whatever platform that you prefer to listen on. Remember that you can add your name to that monthly newsletter list and get a huge list of all of these articles, um, and and information on uh, just like tidbits on writing and organization and other stuff. The newsletter is going to be great. So. Definitely put your put your name on that. It's on my website. You can just go click the link and throw your email on there. It's totally free. Um, and then also feel free to join our community Discord server over there uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff that's that's good to know about over on my website, C. Ashleman, if you're interested in in the podcast. so And if you're interested, like I said, I do have my Patreon page with some cool donation benefits. And if anything from today's episode sparked a thought, please feel free to share that on either my, uh, the Discord server, in the comments section of my blog, or on my Instagram page, at C. Ashleman. Guys, I really, really appreciate you for tuning in. Like I said, big things are coming um, down the pipeline for the podcast. And uh, I really appreciate it, you guys so much. So I hope you have an awesome week, and I'll see you next time on Bed Letter. Bed Letter.